Hello and welcome to In Defense of, a movie podcast where we look for redeeming qualities in terrible films. On this episode, we are tackling 2004's Catwoman. Aaron, let's dig our claws into this sucker. This has got to be one of my all-time favorite, or probably my favorite movie we reviewed so far. Oh, really? I will go that far. I really enjoyed myself. (laughs) you know it's funny watching this film my movie sensibilities tell me that it's not good but at the same time i wasn't like i didn't have a hard time watching this by any means i really didn't yeah i if it kind of felt like watching something on like cw or netflix like you know what i mean in terms of exactly like that yeah no i i mean i yeah, like I, I sat through three seasons of Gotham before I gave up on that, and like I feel like this is—I <laughs> don't know, man. I—I I really don't feel like this movie is quite as bad as people like to say it is. Yeah, do you know what people specifically hate about this movie? <laughs> I do. I mean, upon watching it, I—I I, I see it like the—the the acting is is spotty in a lot of places um the there's so many like weird plot holes and character choices the special effects aren't super great Mm -hmm. um the writing you know there's and obviously this movie's a total departure from catwoman as a character that we know and love right yeah So, so i think a lot of that but we're gonna dive right in um this is currently sitting on Rotten Tomatoes at 9% critical rating, and the audience gave it 18% critical rating. So it's not as bad critically as some of the stuff we've done, which is interesting because any article you could ever find written about this film is always sure to mm-hmm. mention that this is one of the worst films yeah. ever made. Yeah, I noticed which, that too. I don't know, man. Like worst films ever made maybe like worst hollywood films ever made but i mean you and i we've watched Uh, way worse films than this yeah i can't i can't i can't put this as like one of the worst i feel like i've seen (laughs) so many more worse movies than this yeah totally so this was obviously distributed by warner brothers um and uh there's no mention of dc until three minutes into the credits oh yeah (laughs) aaron uh, did you, were you one of the brave souls, the brave few who watched this in theaters? Unfortunately not. I wish I could say that I was, but no. <laughs> How about you? When was it? No, I actually didn't either. Yeah. Uh, the first time I watched this was for this episode. I kid you not. I, oh, I, really? Yeah, I, I draft dodged this thing. <laughs> <laughs> So this movie uh, had an estimated budget of about $100 million. And at the box office internationally, I think its total haul was about $82.1 million. So it wasn't a commercial success. Um, and critically, it was lambasted and drugged through the mud forever and ever yep. and ever. Yeah. So, Aaron, I want you to take a crack at describing to me what is Catwoman 2004 about? Okay, so Catwoman 2004 <laughs> um, stars Halle Berry as Catwoman. Um, yep. She is kind of this ooh, timid. Is timid the right word you would use to describe her? You know what's the words I would use to describe her as? Meek. Ha- uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> She is literally playing Sandra Bullock for like the first quarter of this film. 
okay, you know what? I get what you're saying. <laughs> like the miscongeniality, like Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah okay, totally. okay. I she, get that. She's clumsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Halle Berry playing Sandra Bullock playing Catwoman. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so basically, anyways, she is she is like meek, kind of timid, um, is afraid of. Um, you know, standing up to people. And then yeah. one day she gets herself into some uh, hot water and a cat resurrects her from death <laughs> to become Catwoman. And then she yeah. goes on kicking ass and being an absolute beast. <laughs> that sounds great. I yeah. mean, that sounds great on paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is how I saw this movie. Okay. Okay. okay, can I give you my first initial thoughts of watching this movie? Yes. So the opening credit scene, there's just this yeah. cat and it's like it's like it's all drawings, you know, the old old school long uh intros, credit scenes, whatnot. Yeah. And it just has <laughs> just... all these pictures of these cats. And um yeah. the the one of them was like a cat just standing in blood and like dead bodies around it. And like, <laughs> and all that went through my head was hell yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for yeah. this movie. Yeah. The opening credits go on for a long time a and the really entire long time, time they're flashing like imagery of different cats throughout history and like uh, flashing newspaper clippings and the names of different countries with no real connective tissue. So yeah. it'll be like Russia, China, cats, Egypt, yeah. question mark, question mark, question mark. And, you know, they're really trying to, to set up uh, this, this new and interesting take on this character. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, whatever religion that they're preaching, I want in. <laughs> whatever this cat religion is count me in <laughs> so so let's unpack this because uh one of the let, let's start before we dive into the like some of the plots and the particulars and things like that i really want to focus on um the the very nature of this film okay because um the origins of this film this film um much like much like wild wild west that we just did was in development hell for I yeah. think eleven years. Yeah. Um, originally, this film was going to star Michelle Pfeiffer, mm -hmm. and it was going to be basically a spinoff of the the Tim Burton uh, universe, and go from there, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, which sounded great, but it it just never materialized. It never happened. Michelle Pfeiffer walked on it. Um, she didn't. Uh, I read some stuff, some anecdotal stuff about how she didn't like the costume, but I don't think it was that simple that she just walked on it. But um, yeah. So ten years later, we get this interesting kind mm -hmm. of misguided movie. But Aaron, I think I figured out. I, I think I cracked this, like in terms of trying to enjoy it, because like I, I'm a I'm a big DC fan. And to me, Catwoman has always been Selena Kyle. And, you know, I, I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series. I grew up, you know, I even watched the old Batman show when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, played played all the games, read some of the comic books and stuff. And Catwoman has this rich history. She has this rich, complicated relationship with Batman. Yeah. You know, de- depending on what storylines you read, in some storylines she's a dominatrix, in other storylines her and Bruce Wayne get married. All of this stuff. She's had sidekicks. She's done it all. She's like, in some storylines, she's a villain. She's mm-hmm. an uh, uh, anti-heroine. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, she's she has this long, rich history. So coming into this, in order for me to enjoy this, in order for mm-hmm. me to defend this, what I did was I started looking at this movie totally Literally. So instead of thinking this, thinking of this as like Catwoman, the character, mm-hmm. I literally thought, no, this is literally a woman who's like turning into a cat. And this is like not what I grew <laughs> up with. This is its own standalone thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to, I want to rename this movie to Catwoman colon literally. <laughs> <laughs> Or, no, seriously, Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. If you forget everything you know about the beloved DC character and you just focus on this um, this character going through this transformation and this awakening and all the fun and bizarre things that go along with that, it's, um, it's a pretty fun ride. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fun ride, yeah. Yeah, I think you got to kind of take off the uh, critic goggles here and just and take it for what it is. Because once you once you can like take it for what it is, it gets a lot better. It really does, and I feel like her character at the start of the film is very relatable because mm-hmm. um, she plays Patience Phillips. She doesn't play Selena Kyle. So the filmmakers, the the one very smart thing they did was they didn't. Um, tread on what Michelle Pfeiffer had done in Batman Returns. Yeah. They didn't try to redo it. They didn't try to recapture that. They took it in a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very glad that they did that because um, Michelle Pfeiffer's on-screen production is still held in such high regard. Yeah. Um, but Patience Phillips, at the start of the film, um, she's an artist, but... She makes her living designing advertisements for this like beauty firm, basically. Mm-hmm. And she says this line at the top of the film, something like, it's as close as she could get to actually making money doing what she loves. Mm-hmm. And so right out of the gate, I was like, damn, that's that's really relatable because that's like adulthood for a lot of people in a nutshell. Like, yeah, she's she's she, you know they they put a lot of tropes on her. A lot of the Sandra Bullock style stuff. You know, she's clumsy. She's awkward with guys. She has a best friend who's gonna like trying to push her along. <laughs> yeah, you know. But but at the start of this movie, she is very relatable as just a bare bones character. Yeah, I was reading a lot about her and uh, like Halle Berry's performance, and people people weren't like were saying that that she was the one bright spot in this movie. Like, totally how, agree. yeah, how, yeah, you would agree with that. I think so too. 100%. I thought I thought um, she did a pretty good job, and even when she was was the actual Catwoman, like the way she talked and how she was um, making all these flirty comments with her like love interest. Um, you know, handsome cop guy. And <laughs> I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was just kind of, I, I kind of enjoyed her, her performance. And like you said, all the relatable character stuff in the beginning, 
Um, she she did a really good good job. She took yeah. the role, she took the script, and she did the best that she could do with it, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, Halle Berry has a long history of saying, you know, uh, terrible lines. You know, mm-hmm. having and there is some bad line delivery in this film. But here's what I want to what I want to say about that is behind every bad line delivery is a director who decided they didn't need another take. Yeah. And behind that is a writer who said that that was good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Harrison Ford uh, once famously said about the Star Wars script back when they were filming, he said to Mark Hamill, or no, he said to George Lucas, I think he said to George Lucas, he said, you know, I'm not going to try a Harrison Ford impersonation, but he said, Oh, you got uh, to. You have to now. All right, I'm going to dig deep and try it, but it's not going to be very good. <laughs> he said, you know, you can you can write this shit, but you can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. But the point is, is like, um, you know, Halle Berry took a risk. She followed her instincts and yeah. she's quoted as saying that. Uh, she took this role, and you can't, you cannot hang the weight of this movie's result on her shoulders. That is for sure. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that. She probably just wanted to spend lots of time with cats. That's that's yeah. a real reason. <laughs> you can blame her. She, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, this episode might as well be called "In Defense of Halle Berry" because honestly, most of the stuff on my mind after watching this was just about her as an actress and um, everything she brought to the table. Like Aaron, she went through martial arts training. Yeah, two different kinds of martial arts, like Brazilian martial arts. She mm-hmm. um, she went through all this choreography to learn to move like a cat and have the you know this agility, these motion classes. Um, she spent like, I don't know what it was, like six weeks learning how to use a bullwhip. But what I'm trying to say is, is Halle Berry, like all her other roles, like if you've seen John Wick 3 and you've mm-hmm. seen the behind the, the behind the scenes footage yeah. of her doing the gun training and the gun drills. She's doing like the same stuff uh, Keanu Reeves is doing. Yes. And training with those dogs and all the stuff like Halle Berry brings everything to the role. absolutely everything and what's even what's even cooler is that um this film was nominated for a bunch of razzies which are kind of like uh oscars for terrible films and she accepted hers in person yeah and and gave a really hilarious speech while she did it ladies and gentlemen halle berry yeah And um, since enough time has passed since then, there's even more interviews where she's saying things like how she was really grateful for Catwoman because 
A, she got like a great paycheck out of it, but B, she got to network and meet all these people she wouldn't have met otherwise and opened like all these doors for her. Because like at that time, you know, Halle Berry's career was taking off. She was in X-Men as Storm. Mm -hmm. She was in, she was in James Bond, uh, Die Another Day, I think it was. And, you know, like she was just shooting up, right? Yeah. Um, just skyrocketing. So, um... Yeah, you can't discount everything that Halle Berry brought to this movie. You just can't. Um, so one of the interesting things that I was reading um, comes straight from the Catwoman wiki, Wikipedia page. page. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, anyways, it's a quote on there saying the director, and he's just essentially talking about the movie. And um, what I thought was really interesting is he was saying that he looked at he looked at comic books, but he didn't want to go too into comic books. And uh, <laughs> like he, he wanted to make it an original story because it was the first uh, first Catwoman story. First one with Halle Berry. It had nothing to do. Um, it was not attached to Batman. It was not attached to Superman or any other comic book movie. And right. uh, he just wanted to make its own. So I find it really interesting that he states that because a lot of us want to crap all over this movie because we've read the comic books or we know the Catwoman lore and this is so far from it. And so mm. to those people who, who think that, like, I think that you just got to take this movie as its own, like, alternate, you know, kind of universe Catwoman movie. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, once you kind of realize it that way and then you know that it's like, just kind of whatever then then the movie is like okay because suddenly you have nothing to compare it to yeah i agree um they treat catwoman in this film as more of like almost like zorro where it's more of a moniker than like a uh yeah a fixed person in time um there's this scene when she's uh she's meeting with ophelia uh, mm-hmm. Played by Francis Conroy, and she's she's going through the history of cat women, plural, yeah. and she's rifling through photos, and one of the photos is of Selena Kyle, Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns, dressed yeah. as a Catwoman. Okay. So what was what jumped out at me right away was because um, in my brain I was like, well, Selena Kyle, she's she's supposed to be like. A, She's, you know, uh, anti-heroine. She's, you know, she's all these complicated things. But you can't compare that to this iteration because, it, you know, it's it's the, the passing of the torch. Like, there's been all these different Catwoman. Basically, like, the only person who's in control of who is Catwoman, according to this film, is whoever that cat... Aaron, what's that cat's name again? Oh, Midnight. Midnight. So whoever Midnight decides is going to be the next Catwoman? Yeah. That's who's in charge of this thing. Um sorry, I don't know a whole ton of um a ton of Catwoman lore, so this might be kind of a stupid question, but is this how she gets her powers in the comic books? It's like a cat gives it to her or is there some <laughs> kind of thing or is it just like or is it just implied that it's like a woman with um like heightened senses and abilities that just is able to perform cat-like maneuvers? 
Well, no, it's very it's very practical in the comics. I mean, yeah. she's just dressed like a cat because she's a cat burglar. Like, there's nothing supernatural really okay. happening yeah. in most in in probably. I'm sure someone's gone there, and you can correct us. But like, as far as I know, like 99.99 percent of the Catwoman storylines is just that she's. Um, you know, she she takes up the the outfit because it's sleek and it's sexy, and mm-hmm. she comes from you know this uh, the background of you know. In some, she's like a like I said, she's like a dominatrix or she's yeah. a stripper. She's she's all these different things. So, um, and what's interesting enough is when you see her costume in this movie, as you know, I have some pretty strong opinions about it, but at the same time, I can kind of understand that they were kind of playing on that particular lore of the character. Yeah. For better or worse, you know. She, um, so, yeah, man, it was always very practical, in my yeah, opinion. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say this is I'm in, I'm obviously a fan of the cat religion and the cat choosing. And I just kept thinking, I wish a cat would choose me (laughs) to be (laughs) a cat woman. Yeah, I was, um, uh, people, people give, uh, Halle Berry's journey as Catwoman a hard time because it doesn't look like Selena Kyle's, but, um, you got to keep in mind, like, the early 2000s was a very interesting and complicated time for superhero movies because mm-hmm. uh, two years before this, Spider-Man came out, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and it changed everything, like, oh, yeah. absolutely everything. Um, one, of the, one of the weird things that always uh, I always didn't like about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is that Peter Parker's web shooters were, like, a gland. They weren't, mm-hmm. like... Uh, you know, they weren't something he built. It was actually, like, secreting from his wrists. Yeah. See, so that's the thing, is when this movie came around, I think it was heavily influenced by that sort of more literal transformation. Yeah. Um, where Halle Berry is, she's not just, like, she wakes up and, you know, like, Selena Kyle just decides. Because Selena Kyle, especially in Batman Returns, we have to we have to reference Batman Returns because that's like the on-screen comparison in the universe is like for her Selena Kyle it was like a psychotic break and she kind of smashes up her place and um, it, it's it's interesting Aaron because I rewatched the Catwoman transformation from Batman mm-hmm. Returns and within five minutes of screen time of her being like you know. Uh, between the cats like piling onto her within five minutes she has her costume built that's how long that sequence of events is from her basically hitting the ground to taking up the moniker of being Catwoman mm-hmm. and if you watch that original transformation you know paired with Danny Elfman's music it's really well done um, there is a really funny editing mistake where um, her scissors like change from like these little safety scissors to shears in one shot. That's really yeah. funny. Um, but it's interesting to me that people had such a hard time with accepting this more literal transformation where she wakes up and she's sleeping elevated and she always lands on her feet and she eats sushi really fast and likes, you know, because even in Batman Returns, the first thing she does when she walks through the door is she like slams an entire like jug of milk that Mm -hmm. drinks it. Um, It's just so funny to me that people were okay with that and and the kind of goofiness surrounding that transformation 
Mm-hmm. But fast forward to 2004 when you have Halle Berry in this more liter- literal interpretation where it's like, no, yeah, she's actually becoming a cat. <laughs> yeah. You know, people were just not into it. Yeah, I I don't understand. I don't know how you cannot be into it. Like, she's purring at one point in time. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, she, she has heightened senses, kind of yeah. like Spider-Man, you know, yeah, they do this I- little thing. I thought exa- I thought of Spider Man as well. What right whenever whenever the seagulls are coming at her and she's have it has the heightened ability or whatever. Yeah, and it's totally borrowing from Sam Raimi Spider Man. Totally, yeah. but this is the thing. Like back then, everyone was kind of struggling to find their bearings with where to take all these comic book heroes. Mm-hmm. Nobody and knew. DC is still struggling to find out where to take them. S- Right? Still recasting and recasting and trying different backgrounds and everything, you know? Yeah. Like, this this movie was less offensive to me as a comic book fan than Man of Steel. Like, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I actually, I would say I'd like that. I like this better than Man of Steel as well. I had an easier time accepting this than, than uh, you know, any of the Zack Snyder stuff, I think, mm-hmm. in my in my heart of hearts. Um but I think I was just kind of open to the reinterpretation because I understand the context of where it was coming from, you know? Yeah. Um, Aaron, would you say that this film is kind of a necessary evil to get us to where we are today? Uh, yeah, definite, definitely. There was a lot of things that had to happen in this movie for us to like move, move forward. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I think both progressively and how the female character was handled... Um, the visual effects, there's a ton of like body double yeah. VFX shots in this. Yeah. A ton. The, the like, basketball scene. I'm like, that's not her playing basketball. Oh my God. Okay. We have to talk about this for a second because the funniest line in the whole movie, in my opinion, happens during the basketball scene. Okay. So, so this is worth watching the movie for. So they they flirt and play basketball for like, um, I don't know, maybe like two or three minutes of screen time. Like it goes on for a long time. Yeah. And th- the scene ends with her basically pouncing on him, right? Kind of like uh, <laughs> Simba and Nala kind of pouncing on each other. Yeah. And then this kid comes up and he's just like, Can we have a ball back? He's I know like, what you're talking about. <laughs> just so over this. He's like, uh, can we have our ball back? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so funny. You know what I was thinking, though? With, What's that? With playing too much of the, the cat jokes, like she's becoming a cat. Um, when you enter into that, that thing, it's like... Okay, so she's fighting like a in the one scene she's like stealing jewels and she's fighting a room full of bad guys. What if one of these guys had a laser pointer? It's like Ooh. you know, is she a cat? Would she <laughs> chase after those things? I don't know. What if they had catnip? Well, that's interesting because they do the catnip thing when yeah. Francis with Ophelia, she gives her catnip and she rubs it all over her face and it's it's a pretty funny scene. It's it's probably in my opinion the catnip bit is probably the most uncomfortably awkward thing in this film yeah um but yeah i mean that literal interpretation of like okay let's take this lady and transform her into a cat Mm -hmm. (laughs) the one thing i will say though is like after she becomes catwoman and she cuts her hair i hate her haircut it just reminds really? me, yeah, it reminds me of, like, the whole Karen meme. Like, she's going to go ask to see the manager somewhere with that haircut. 
See, I didn't mind her very first iteration where it was just she kind of just looked like a biker or something, you know. Yeah. When she when she first does her first big robbery, you know, she goes she goes next door to the party house in her PJs and then she hops on the motorcycle. She, yeah. I, I didn't mind that iteration, especially the mask that she wears. Mm-hmm. But it gets really bonkers when she puts on the now famous iconic uh, version of the outfit. Uh, yeah. Which the only thing that really jumped out at me about that outfit that like frustrated me was she was wearing like open toed shoes. <laughs> for some reason i couldn't get past oh, that i was yeah. like that is not practical for the kind of stuff yeah you're doing. yeah no i get that um so basically what ends up happening in this film is halle berry has uh she she had to um she had to submit a an advertisement campaign that she was working on. She mm-hmm. had to fix it up because the guy that she works for, um, George Hedare, played by Lambert Wilson, who you know is the Merovingian from The Matrix, um, The Matrix Reloaded, and I think he's in Revolutions. I can't remember exactly, sorry. But she's given this deadline to finish her advertising thing, and mm-hmm. it's at midnight. So she goes to drop it off at the place where they're developing this product called Buleen. And when she goes there, she, she accidentally overhears that Buleen has some pretty bad side effects where basically if you mm-hmm. stop using it, your face turns into just a scarred mess. It looked pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so that's when she's kind of chased with guns and then she does a fugitive dive off the drain and mm-hmm. gets resurrected. So basically the, the, the kind of the A plot of the movie is her as Catwoman trying to stop this from this Buleen product from hitting the streets. Yeah. Um, well, well, you can't forget her friend, her best friend gets like, mm. is using the beauty product and then she get, I guess she gets like, she faints and yeah. uh, goes into the hospital and the doctors don't know what's wrong with her. And um, yeah. Yeah. And then later on, Halle Berry puts two and two on top of two and, uh, okay realizes yeah sorry because yeah because because your friend had the pre-release version of it yeah 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 like a sample a pre-release sample and stuff yeah Yeah. which doesn't make any sense in my in my head because the like the bad the bad guy the bad lady in this in this um sharon stone i can't remember what her actual name was or the name Uh, of her character was laurel 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 Yeah, she has been putting this on her face, and I guess it's just made her skin go, like, rock hard where she can't get hurt. At one point, yeah. she, like, crushes a whiskey glass in her hands, and, and it doesn't cut her or anything. And yeah. so I'm just thinking, why isn't this girl just putting, like, her best friend, why isn't she just putting more on her face? That's interesting. I don't know. Like, it's, um, I, I think because probably... Uh... Laurel Hedera, her character, I think she's probably had several different versions and iterations of it put on her directly before this big launch. So yeah. she's probably got a lot going on in her skin besides yeah. Buleine, the product. Yeah, you're probably right. But I was like, what the the one thing I will say about this movie is super lame bad guy or bad lady, girl, woman. Really? Yeah. Did you like her? I okay. she re- 
She so, reminded me of like a villain of the week in like Batman the Animated Series or something. Yeah, a villain of the week, not a standalone movie villain. No, not a standalone movie villain, that's for sure. Like she was menacing. She she did that and you know how she framed framed uh, Halle Berry with murdering her husband um and all that stuff, uh, that stuff, but when it came to Catwoman and her like on time screen screen time together. It was just yeah. it was just it was just such it's such a lame lame you know like the whole whole every scene was just like meh. I agree, but at the same time, there was a level of depth that she went to because she was being ousted by the new younger model, the new face of the company, who was uh, Drina, played by Kim Smith. Yeah. So her character, I mean, like her own husband is pushing her out and he's presumably having an affair with the new model. Yeah. So there is like this tortured, tragic element about her character where she's in, you know, she's in the twilight. She's getting, she's getting thrown away. She says something like, you know, you turn 40 and they throw you out. And I felt like that was Sharon Stone just looking straight at the camera and telling us that, you know, it was, it was, um, It was a pretty weird moment because I know that a lot of actresses do feel like that in real life. And so do models. Like you get to a certain age and it's on to the next thing. So I feel like her motivations for wanting her husband dead, being revengeful for his affair, and then seeing this cat-like lady who represents, you know, this female empowerment, I mean, allegedly based on the movie, um, it... It 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 throws her into this abyss of you know, um, evil. You know mm-hmm. where where literally she's become hardened to to the world around her, like physically yeah. and mentally. Okay, you know what? You made me a believer. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's not to. I'm. I, I don't want to make. I never want to make excuses. More like concessions for these characters because they're. Um, it's. There's so many tropes in this movie and so many cliches, um, but I thought Sharon Stone's commentary, per se, on, Mm -hmm. like, the way, um, you know, the way a lot of this stuff transpires was very, um, very interesting. I'll just say interesting. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about her best friend for a little bit? Yeah. Okay, Sally. so Sally, why is she buying her best friend like skin tight leather outfits for her <laughs> birthday? I think it was a joke. I think what she did, like, because she says it was like for a dating emergency, right? Yeah. I, I think she probably bought it for her as like a joke, as like a gag gift one year for her birthday. Okay, I would believe that. Okay, yeah. that, that, I was just like, is she in, like, are, does she have a thing? Like, why, well, like, could you imagine if one day on your birthday I just showed up <laughs> with a box and was like, hey, I got this leather outfit for you in with case like of a emergencies. Leopard, a leopard print thong or something. Yeah, you know, and then just hand it to you and wink and then walk away. But from everything Sally says in this movie, she seems like the kind of lady who would throw, like, sex toy parties. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was she was a little bit weird. I I wanted to say that like she is a little bit weird, but I feel like we all have a little bit of Sally in us. Like, when have you ever <laughs> tried to just talk to someone or flirt with someone and it came out perfectly smooth? Like that almost never happens. 
Yeah, it's true. But she's, I mean, her whole character is, is kind of cliche. Um, but she does help the plot along by pushing uh, patients to, to make some of mm-hmm. these decisions, to go for the, you know, to go hang out with Tom and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I, was a, I was a Sally fan. One of them is here, Alex Borstein. Come on out, Alex. Thank you. You know what? <laughs> Happiest moment of her life. But one of the things about Cat, one of the great things about Cat. Calm down, Mamala. Calm down, Mamala. One of the best things about Catwoman was that I got to make some really wonderful, lifelong friendships, and this lady is one of them. And you know what? I want to thank you for every single day looking up at me and telling me that I was doing a great job, that I was the best Catwoman you ever saw. I want to thank you for lying straight to my face every day. Thank you. You know, in Hollywood, they lie behind your back, but she lied straight to my face. Love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now beat it. Yeah, Sally got a bad rap online from what I read, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. She was pretty unoffensive to me. I kind of got a kick out of her most of the time. I mean, again, Aaron, I'm battling between, like, my movie sensibility and what I set out to do is to find (laughs) redeeming qualities. So it's Mm -hmm. like... It's put me in this weird spot on this one where I'm like, you know, like, I understand the logic here and I understand why this is not critically a good film. Um, But, you know, some of these things, some of these things aren't that bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Sally's pretty fun. Sally's got kind of like a Billy Crystal vibe to her. She's very... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, she does. I did, that just, like, instantly clicked in my mind as soon as you said it. <laughs> you know, I'm into it. I'm into it. And, yeah, and at okay. the end, and Sally gets hers. At the end, you know, at mm-hmm. the end, Sally gets her doctor. Does she? Oh, I missed that part. How did I miss that? At the very end, uh, her doctor kind of floats by and feeds her some food or something. And yeah, no, they oh, end up. Damn, she, good for she, you, Sally. Get it, girl. <laughs> her uh, her um, loyalty and her, her, her uh, friendship qualities, eventually that karma of that swings back around. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was Midnight the Cat who <laughs> put a little spell on the doctor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's that Billy Crystal charm. <laughs> okay so this this has to be my like wtf moment of the movie and uh it's when okay so she the the buddy cop guy um yes she originally is supposed to go on a date with him right yes and she i guess becomes a cat woman i don't know remember if that's when she steals the stuff i think it is when she steals the stuff no Sorry, that happens way before. Anyways, she misses the coffee date, and so she finds him, and she gets him a coffee, and on the coffee, she wrote the word sorry, right? Oh, I think we have the same moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay, yeah. yeah. And then so later on in the movie, after she steals (laughs) the jewels, she keeps the one necklace, and uh, she returns the jewels in a brown paper bag with sorry written on it. Or no, sorry, was it on the donut box? I can't remember. 
Um, uh, I think it was on the donut box, the cupcake box. Oh yeah, cupcake box. Okay, so and then fast forward maybe like a little bit more into the movie, and the cop is sitting at his desk, and he has the donut box sitting there, and then he looks up, and the cup is sitting there with the sorry, and he sees that sorry is written the same way on the cup as it is on the box, right? And so he's yeah. like, oh wow, like she like she might be the Catwoman. I better go take this to my uh, forensic guy who is like who who like. You know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. And oh, so yeah. she she takes she, <laughs> they take <laughs> they take Kitty. They take the he takes the the cupcake box and the cup and the coffee cup and they're like comparing writing and the the forensic guy's like oh this one on the coffee cup you can tell that this person is wound up and is afraid to go outside the lines and stuff and then he looks at he looks at the other one and he's like this one this person is wild and wants to have fun and blah 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 starts like saying all this crazy stuff and he's like but are they this same person could be but i don't know and you're like yeah. what he's like he's he says something like you get these two women together you're gonna have a heck of a party or something yeah. <laughs> I, I i don't know anything about uh typography or whatever uh yeah whatever the proper name is for that art but i got questions if you know the answer to this please let us know can you tell someone's personality from the way they write certain letters? I have no idea. That was such a funny scene. (laughs) And yeah, that guy, I I feel like that typography specialist or that uh, whatever the name is for it, I'm so sorry, I'm butchering it, but is that guy just like sitting by himself waiting for someone to like (laughs) meet him? Like... And everyone's like, you know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. like, oh, go go talk to Jerry. And, and everyone's like, oh, not Jerry. He's such a weirdo. And like, okay, go talk to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, what does wh- sorry mean? And he's like, <laughs> oh, well, the S means. Th-, and he just like over explains everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was it was like beautiful. But at the same time, you're just, you're just like, yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. Like This movie's worth watching for that scene alone. Yeah, it is a good it is a, my probably my most favorite wtf moment of any movie we've done so far yeah yes but at the same time like i still feel like this is something maybe i don't know maybe my tolerance for this stuff's just high because like i've watched every smallville episode yeah. i've watched a ton of the batman stuff uh, you know Mm -hmm. Uh, all this different DC stuff I've sat through, I've watched some Flash, I've watched some Supergirl, you know, and uh, for me, this just, this just isn't that bad. I just got to say it. It's so entertaining. There's so much funny, goofy stuff. Um, And when you know the behind the scenes stuff, it makes it that much more entertaining. Like the part when they go out for dinner and she just starts like shoveling sushi into her mouth. Um, I just thought it was so funny. And then you find out that those are actually like pieces of fruit because you didn't want to do that. <laughs> and it's just, it makes it more charming to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, this movie is this, you know, what I was going to say is 
all those superhero shows like the CWs and stuff, they are a bit of my guilty pleasure because a lot of people like to hate on those shows. But I just like love I love watching them Uh, just like you, you know, grew up on the Smallville and all that. And this movie falls like nicely into that category. And that's why I just don't think I could ever hate it. Yeah, exactly. I think I think my my second WTF moment is is kind of a little moment, but I just thought it was funny. Is where she uh, she she falls into the street and almost gets hit by a car, and as she's bringing oh, herself, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> as she's bringing herself up to her feet, yeah. she gets distracted by the jaguar hood ornament and just kind of like gives a little caress, like oh. oh. Okay, no, my I thought you were gonna say the couple seconds before when she gets bumped by the car and it like bumps her rear end and then she oh. like looks into the camera and gives this look and you're like, what the heck is going on? She, she just winks at the camera. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, it was like a little bit disturbing. So let's uh so Ophelia is like the the oracle of the movie who knows all the lore about yeah. Um, she seems to kind of like harbor, uh, midnight and, and all these cats, like, Mm -hmm. uh, because when Halle Berry wants to return midnight to its owner, her name is in, in the, the leash. Right. So Ophelia, she, she's really hip to what's going on and she kind of just lets it happen. She's, she's very much the definition of a crazy cat lady. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Halle Berry, uh, or Catwoman rather, Patience, she, the, the, the kind of powers or abilities she's endowed with over this, you know, is it kind of seems to unlock the sassy side of her, like the part of her that she was um, suppressing, right? Like mm-hmm. her, the, the sensual side of her, the sassy side of her. The, the cat-like side of her. That's the thing, is all these cat characteristics. Now... Hear me out on this because I've thought about I, I thought long and hard about this last night. After. Okay. Um, Halle Berry. I keep saying Halle Berry. Let's call her what she is. Patience Phillips is an art student, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she's gone, presumably gone to art school, and presumably has a lot of like deep and suppressed thoughts that she pours into her art. Yeah. So the the, the meek and clumsy kind of character we meet at the beginning is almost more of the mask than who she actually is. Yeah. And the cat woman side of her is what really brings out the expressiveness and the freedom. And, you know, she talks about how like she's been chained for a lifetime and now she's kind of free. Mm-hmm. And I, I, without overstepping this analogy, I just feel like, the artistic side of her who wanted to be free and sexy and cool and dangerous and take risks was always hidden behind this corporate wall of like, this is my nine to five and this is how I make my money. It's Mm -hmm. not who I am, but it pays the bills and keeps the lights on. Yeah. So I just, I really, I really like, and I felt like I probably would have missed this if I'd watched it in theaters or whatever. I really liked that we got to see this art student that was finally able to, you know, make this weirdo outfit, you know, and, and, and craft it and mm-hmm. go jump it around and, and, you know, expressing yourself. I thought that was a really cool, mm-hmm. it was just cool. You know, it was really, really yeah. cool. There's, there's definitely a lesson to be learned here. And totally. that, that's all we all need to embrace our inner cat women. <laughs> just, just come <laughs> out and, you know, be ourselves. 
Yeah. You know what, Aaron? This movie kind of reminded me of The Mask with Jim Carrey. Okay. Because once he puts on that persona, the, the idea behind The Mask is it kind of just totally exaggerates your inner your inner person, that suppressed person inside of you, right? Yeah. Um, in Stanley Ipkiss's character, uh, case it was like this comical cartoon of a person mm-hmm. this like otherworldly being um, and yeah with Patience Phillips that inner suppressed thing was this sassy um, sexualized you know <laughs> uh, risky person yeah and for the whole rest of the film she battles with that duality almost like it's a split personality between her meekness and her patient side, and her Catwoman and her feisty side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the entire I, film. I would agree with that. But it's the Catwoman that pushes her forward, that pushes yeah. her into the relationship. And her best friend. And her best friend. <laughs> yeah, her best friend too. But I feel like she wasn't even, like, she didn't give her best friend enough credit, I don't think. No. The no. best friend never gets enough credit. Mm, truth. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? I don't know. I just wanted that to sound so like ominous. <laughs> oh man! So, a, a couple of other random notes here. Um, there's one thing we still got to talk about, but I wanted to mention um, that when Sharon Stone, Laurel Hedare, when she falls to her death. Mm-hmm. Um, the stunt person, I should have wrote down her name. I apologize. The stunt person that did that fall, it was like a 20-foot fall. She actually won an award for it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for her. Because I thought, man, that looks very practical. Yeah. And of, of all the practical things they didn't do in this film, they did that practically. So that was interesting. That was kind of a cool takeaway. Um, Halle Berry's stunt man was actually a man, FYI. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I couldn't find any photos of it, but I assume that he put on that costume. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere out there has got to be a photo of it. <laughs> okay, I got a question for you. If, yes. like, Halle Berry's Catwoman was to take on Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, who would win? Ah <laughs> oh, man. They both got, like, you got cat senses, you got spider senses. Um, yeah. Probably, I think Spider-Man probably has more strength, but Catwoman is like jumping up and scaling like large buildings and stuff in this movie. So she has to be like quite strong. She is. But Peter Parker has the brains like he's like he's a he's a very intelligent, like he's borderline genius. Right. So um, or he is genius. So I feel like he would contrive a way. I could just see him luring her in with a big ball of catnip or something. You know? Oh yeah, he he would he would play into her cat-like tendencies, eh? Yeah, based on the rules set out in this film, I feel like that's the easy answer to that. So one more thing we gotta talk about here, Aaron. So the director goes by the name. His birth name is Jean Christophe Comer, um, but he goes by the name, and I might be saying this wrong, but it's. Pitoff, P-I-T-O-F. Mm-hmm. He goes by... I thought he was Russian at first. It, kinda, it just sounds so Russian sounds to me. sounds so Russian. He goes by a one-word name. He's like the prince yeah. of directors. <laughs> yeah. I also want to thank our director, Pitoff. You know, that one name, French guy. Thank you very much. It was a joy to come to work every day and work with him, really. 
I mean, I didn't know what the hell he was saying, but <laughs> I'm sure it showed in my performance. But it was truly a joy and a pleasure. He was a visual effects guy. Yeah. Uh, he did second unit directing on Alien Resurrection. Okay. Now, this is one of two motion pictures he's directed. I will never understand why Warner Brothers distributed a Catwoman movie directed by a guy with quite literally zero experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but they did, right? Um, now, this is interesting, though, about this guy. Um, Pitoff directed the very first full-length motion picture shot entirely on digital cameras. Yeah. Um, so in the other thing you got to defend is that the guy that directed this film pioneered filming with digital cameras. Um, do you know what the movie is that he, the first movie that he filmed with digital cameras? No, I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) Oh, okay. So it was like a French movie or? I think it was. Yeah. Uh, I could spell it for you, but even that, Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No worries. It was... I'll spell it. It's V-I-D-O-C-Q. That no, I'm not, I don't even gonna, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. And, and apparently it wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, but he, he was a visual effects guy first. That was his jam. Mm-hmm. So when you see this digital body double of Halle Berry jumping around constantly, um, yeah. you have to imagine that he had something to do with that. Yeah. But it's funny because, Aaron, watching this movie now, modern era, like um, digital body doubles have come a long way to the point where you can barely tell anymore. Yeah. Um, Case in point, Avengers Endgame, those white costumes are completely digital. Which white costumes? The the, the suits? The suits that they wear. Those white suits are not practical. Those Those are digital. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah, so that's, that's amazing. Tes- it is, hey? That's testament to how far we've come with this technology. Yeah. But Catwoman was another stepping stone. And I think the digital body doubles in 2004's Catwoman look better than the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, like the very first Peter Parker jumping stuff, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, <sighs> Catwoman... I don't know, man. It's a necessary evil. Like, this is before cinematic universes. This is before Hollywood really knew who to put in charge of these kind of movies. This mm-hmm. is before people really, really started taking all superhero movies seriously, not just one or two. Yeah. Um, before this movie, like, shortly before this, you had, like, the second Blade movie where digital actors are flipping around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had... What else did you have? There were all sorts of instances of digital body doubles coming up at that time, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know some of the movies that were out around that time? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, first one, Shrek 2. <laughs> yeah. Best movie ever. Um, okay, Troy came out. Then yeah. that probably used some. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, I like that movie. <laughs> uh, Hellboy. Yeah. What else here? Oh, Anchorman came out at this time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, The Punisher, and then that was the other one. Yeah, Blade, mm. and then those probably would have been the movies that use uh, the CGI. 
Yes, and heavy on the CGI. Yeah. yeah, this came out the year I graduated. And um, it's interesting to go back and watch because especially in like HD, you know, mm -hmm. um, you, it doesn't, you know, obviously you can tell that it's digital. Obviously it doesn't look super great by today's standards. But again, it leads me back to that point that this movie, this whole movie is kind of a necessary evil to get us to today. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the interesting things that I saw in this movie um, was one of the, there was two bad guys that were chasing uh, um, patients in the yeah. in the beginning, like when she goes into the tunnels, and I was like, that that one actor looks familiar, and I realized that's that's Ryu from Street Fighter. No and way! Yeah, I was just so excited. I was just so excited to see that. Which also brings me to my next point, where I which I meant to, to mean to mention to you, but we got to review that Street Fighter movie. Yeah, is that is that critically bad? I'm pretty sure people hated that movie, and we got to do have... it for uh, for what's his name? Let me get his name here. Byron so Man. Byron Man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So many of these movies are they're such like a distant memory to me now. So it's fun to rewatch a lot of this stuff. Oh man, it's got eleven percent uh critic reviews mm. and then twenty percent audience. So There we go. That's around the same place as this, nine and eighteen. So yeah. So if this is true, these should be very similar in quality. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this Street Fighter movie. It's just actually, you know what I really liked about this movie? Um, Two thousand and four was like uh, like grade ten for me, and so it just reminded me of of the two like the early two thousands because because this movie is felt very two thousand. Um, like even just in the way that they did the music and did certain scenes like around that time. Do you remember movies like Stomp the Yard and like all those kind of movies were getting big? And this thing, this yeah. movie's kind of got that like Stomp the Yard vibe. Yeah, totally. Especially the music. They kind of just use this like canned Matrix-esque ripoff music with like, you know, uh, a, a woman's voice over top saying empowering things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it, it brings me right back for sure, especially because this is the year I graduated. So obviously like when you graduate, you have so many memories of that time in that place. Right. So yeah, yeah it takes me right back to a point in time for sure. Well, Dan, should we uh, wrap this up here? Yeah. I mean, Aaron, if you, if someone came up to you in the street and they yeah. you never met them before and they were like, "Hey, you know anything about 2004's Catwoman?" Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about watching it, but I don't know. I kind of need a diff I need an opinion. What sh what should I do? How would you sell it? Well, this movie be a little bit different. I would start yeah. pulling out pictures of my cats and start <laughs> and I would start talking about cats and then just being like you know, you got to do it for cats. You like cats? <laughs> do it for the cats. Hey, man. Yeah, uh, it's worth mentioning Halle Berry. She adopted one of the cats in this film. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. She liked it so much that she adopted it. Uh, I would have adopted every single cat in this movie if I was her. <laughs> yeah, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, you're coming home with me? Hey, you're coming home with me? <laughs> huh? 
<laughs> if you're really sassy the next time I see you, I'm going to start to wonder if you've been given the gift. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Can there be a cat man? I would love to be a cat man. I guess, wait, is that like basically Black, Black Panther? Is that why there's no cat man? No, I think I, I think just the moniker is reserved for Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. I think they're very you know, different characters. I don't think Catman. I don't think I could be <laughs> sexy enough to be a cat Catman. <laughs> I don't think. Well, it, it would just it would amplify your inner repressions, right? So mm. maybe you know you never know what could come out when when the cat. <laughs> oh dang! I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and get my cats to bite me, and hopefully they like choose me. <laughs> well, Aaron, um, I mean Halle Berry. She she elevated the material the best she could, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, she was surrounded by a team that just couldn't couldn't thread the needle and make this movie uh, as good as it possibly could have been. Um, I read somewhere couldn't couldn't read a Catwoman comic book and no couldn't be bothered couldn't be bothered to read a Catwoman <laughs> comic book. Um, so you know, like I said, not. Not as bad as I thought it would be. Really not. Mm-hmm. Not compared to a lot of stuff I've already seen. So, um, Aaron, if you had to give this a Rotten Tomato score, what would it be? Oh, um, I'd probably put it about 65%. Whoa, that's very generous. What would you put it at? Honestly, I was thinking like 30 40%. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would. it would be above 50% for me for sure. Wow. The yeah. love for the cats is strong. Yeah, I just I just like cats so much. So many cat actors and actresses. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I like I was saying, this movie, it had like not only the cats, but I felt on some level I could relate to every character uh, in this movie, which is you don't get a lot in movies these days. Mm-hmm. So, like, I found the movie, like, the people to be very personable, uh, very relatable. Like you said, Halle Berry was super relatable, um, you know, when she is Catwoman and when even when she's not, right? Yes. So, 65% for me. Awesome. I rate this 10 cats out of 10 cats. <laughs> 10, 10 Egyptian Mao cats uh, named Midnight out of 10 <laughs> Egyptian Mao cats named Midnight. <laughs> I rate this one dominatrix costume out of one dominatrix costume. <laughs> top, oh, mar- damn. top marks. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This has been yes. In Defense of, a movie podcast. And this has been Catwoman from 2004. So thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, feel free to subscribe. Uh, we're on Twitter at... Uh, defense of movies you can shoot us an email at in defense of movies podcast and uh yeah keep it locked and we'll keep bringing you more episodes bye, bye.